Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello, this is The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, and here we are on the first day of summer, longest day of the year, at least in the Northern Hemisphere. It's also the memorial of St. Aloysius Gonzaga, and uh, glad to have you here for this hour of spiritual direction here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Now, if I say to you, Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore, you can probably name that movie, The Wizard of Oz. Or if I tell you, May the Force be with you, you likely recognize that from Star Wars. Life is like a box of chocolates. Do you know that one? Forrest Gump, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty popular one. Uh, a martini, shaken, not stirred. Almost certainly you'd recognize that from not just one movie, but numerous James Bond films. And even if you haven't seen one or more of those movies, you're probably still familiar with the quotes. They've made their way into American culture. I remember the first time I watched the classic movie Casablanca, and I think I was 19 or 20 years old, And I didn't know that when I sat down to watch it, that it was full of all these different quotes, all these different lines that I had heard growing up. I had no idea that they came from this movie. Now, first, if you haven't seen it, it's a great film, Casablanca. stars Humphrey Bogart as Rick and Ingrid Bergman as Ilsa. And it's set in Nazi-occupied Morocco during World War II. And those lines, those famous lines, here are some of them that I recognized when I watched it for the first time. One that Rick says to Ilsa, here's looking at you, kid. Another one that Rick says, of all the gin joints and all the towns and all the world, she walks into mine. Another one that he says, Rick says to Ilsa, we'll always have Paris. At the very end of the movie, one of the last lines, I think it might be the last line, Louis, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Another one near the end of the movie, it doesn't take much to see that the problems of three little people don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. And then there's that line that's associated with Casablanca, even though it isn't actually ever said in the film. It's always quoted wrong, typically. Play it again, Sam. That line is actually this conglomeration of a few different lines spoken by Ilsa and Rick, both of them asking Sam to play the song as time goes by. And so I watched this movie, watched Casablanca. I discovered that it was full of all these lines I'd heard. I just never realized it was, they, they all came from that same film. Now, growing up, I had a similar experience, actually many experiences, when I would be reading the Bible, and I'd come across a line or a phrase that I'd heard, but I didn't know that it was taken from Scripture. For instance, if somebody says, that's the blind leading the blind, 
They're quoting Jesus in St. Matthew's Gospel. This is in the 15th chapter, and he says, They are blind guides of the blind. If a blind person leads a blind person, both will fall into a pit. Another line, eat, drink, and be merry. This is found in a parable that Jesus tells about a rich man in the 12th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel. Here's another one for you. A leopard can't change its spots. This goes back even further than Jesus. You can read this in the 13th chapter of the book of Jeremiah in the Old Testament. How about this one? Red at night, sailors delight. Red in the morning, sailors take warning. I knew that that rhyme from the time that I was a kid, uh, probably, I don't know, four, five, six years old. We know it in English as that little rhyme, talking about the sky at sunset or at sunrise, giving us an indication of what the coming weather likely will be. But Jesus said something very similar. This is in Matthew chapter 16, and he's speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He says, when it is evening, you say it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be stormy today for the sky is red and threatening. You know how to interpret the appearance of the sky, but you cannot interpret the signs of the times. And here's one more, one more. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the golden rule, right? I think we all learned that as a child at some point. But then after that, eventually I discovered it was actually Jesus who said it. And if you go to Mass today, if you attend Mass, you're going to hear it in the Gospel reading. But hearing it, that's one thing. Living out the golden rule, that's another one. That's a bit more difficult. And that's what we want to talk about today here on The Inner Life, how we can really treat others as we want to be treated, how we can live out that golden rule. Our spiritual director joining us for the hour to help us look at how we can live out the golden rule, Father Ethan Southard is back with us. Father Ethan is a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles. He's the pastor at St. John Eudes Church in Chatsworth, California. Father Ethan, welcome back to The Inner Life. Thank you so much, Josh. And it's it's great to be with you all. And um I love that introduction. I love the movie Casablanca, and you know we get those movie clips or we get those great phrases and or even sound bites today. Um, you know that's almost like a, a great quote or a, even a sound bite that continues to be um, very well known. You know, do unto others as you would have them uh, do unto you. The the golden rule. What a beautiful message and invitation to live the gospel. Well, and when we hear it today at Mass, that Gospel reading, it's within the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus speaks this. Before we kind of get into the living it out, the application for us each individually, is there anything we should know about the setting or the context uh, of what Jesus is saying to help us better understand what he's really communicating to us? Well, you know, Jesus does, he has the Sermon on the Mount, and so he you know there there's an open there's an openness people can see the um he has their attention and and so there they there's the miracles there's you know the um they know that he's a great man and so they're they're yearning and they're they're longing for something in a world uh that's been been confused maybe a world that's been selfish and so they're looking for something deeper um, and so they go away. They go up onto the mount, and and they have this intimate time with Jesus. And so he is. He's teaching. There, there's a just a beautiful teaching and and sharing moment uh, together that they have. And so you know, just before 
Um, you know, Jesus is speaking about in, in the Gospel of Matthew in chapter seven. He's just speaking about answer to prayers. He says, "Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened." And so he has these types of, of teachings, um, these these short phrases that they can they can internalize, they can take, and and let be part of themselves, but but start to live. And it's actually growing in relationship um, with who they who they are in relationship with God. And so I think that's just a, a beautiful setting that there is this uh, this hunger. You know, earlier this week, Jesus says, "Stop judging." And this is still in the Sermon on the Mount. Stop judging so that you won't be judged, because as you judge, that's how you will be judged, and the measure with which you measure will be measured out to you. So again, he's just inviting us into that that relationship, um, you know, that that awareness that we are all connected, that we are all, you know, on Sunday we we celebrated uh, the feast of of Corpus Christi, the solemnity of Corpus Christi, and so we we talk about how we are the body of Christ, and so if if we're actually going to live what Jesus is is sharing, it's you know, there's one part where Peter's hearing all this, and he says, "You know, Jesus, um, this is kind of a—it's kind of difficult what you're asking." <laughs> and Jesus looks at him and he says, "Peter, he says this is impossible. He says it's impossible to actually live this out. However, we can live it out. We can live the gospel with the power of the gospel. And that's that's what uh, Paul says in Romans one, chapter sixteen." Or verse sixteen, and so there's this this invitation, but it's also this invitation to live the gospel. But it's also with the humble acknowledgement that the only way we could really do that, the only way that we could stop judging someone, especially those who've hurt us or done us wrong, the only way that we can actually love someone else as we want to be loved, is if we have the power of the gospel within us. So that's kind of the the invitation but also the answer. Right. Well, so let's talk about a couple of things that Jesus says right after he gives the golden rule. And you've made reference to other things said both in the Sermon on the Mount as well as other other places in the New Testament. The immediate line that he says right after the golden rule, he says basically it encapsulates the law and the prophets. Mm. How should we understand that line? Mm. Well, there was everyone, you know, coming uh, before, you know, all the law, that's the Ten Commandments, you know, you shall not kill, you shall not covet, you know, we we know the Ten Commandments, love God above all things. So this is the law, this is the prophets, the prophets are those who are going, you know, before in a, especially in a time of um, maybe when the people of Israel were... Um, were being distracted and, and caught up in other things. And he, he wants them to keep it simple. He says, let's get to the heart of, of what we're talking about. And the heart of what we're talking about is love. This, this sums everything up. You know, Jesus talks about giving us a new commandment, right? He says, you know, all of these things, it all comes down to love. It all comes down to uh, keeping it simple, and if we can uh, do unto others as we would have them do to you, 
then we are loving each other as oneself. We are loving each other. We are loving one another who is yourself. That's what he says in John thirteen thirty four. He says, love one another with my own love, with God's own love. So that's the that's the the context. And right after that, the the next phrase is the narrow gate. He says, enter through the narrow gate. Right. For the gate is wide yeah. and, and the road is broad that's going to lead to destruction. But the narrow gate, enter that narrow gate that leads to life. And so that, that narrow gate is is Christ. Christ is the gate who leads to life. Well, and that's that was going to be my next question. Yeah, the follow-up. You know, is there that correlation? Because it seems that, you know, Jesus... In, in making the, the concept of the narrow gate, right after he mentions the golden rule, it's kind of him saying, this is going to be a really, truly difficult task to love people the way that you should. Not, not you know, treat people the mm. way that you are treated or the way that you just kind of... Uh, <laughs> the way that it's easy to treat them. Treat them the way you want to be treated. You know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So it's not it's not saying treat them in a way that is acceptable. Treat them in a way that is ideal. And, I, you know, that, that takes me back to what you were just saying with, you know, this is, this is going to be probably impossible. Mm. But when we're living with the Holy Spirit that indwells us, you know, if if we have full communion with Christ, receiving his body and blood, his soul and divinity in the Eucharist, as you were talking about, then just like the archangel Gabriel told Mary, nothing will be impossible with God. We do have a chance then to enter that narrow gate. Right. Right. We, yeah, exactly. What a, That's perfect. We could start looking and saying, uh, you know, this is, I hear what you're saying, but this is impossible. How am I going to conceive uh, you know, the, this child, how am I going to um, move in, in the way that you're asking me to move? How am I actually going to love uh, this other person? How am I going to treat them the way that I want to be treated when they've done me wrong? I mean, this isn't just, you know, another place, you know, Jesus says, you know, it's easy. Uh, you know, even sinners are the ones who, you know, who are nice to those who are nice to them. That's easy. He says, but can you actually love your enemy? Can you love those who've wronged you? Can you treat them like you want to be treated? And that's a, it's across the board. And it is impossible, Josh. It's not difficult. It's impossible because only God is good. John, in his first letter, chapter 4, he says that this this is love. He says we're talking about love. There's a lot of love in the air. There's a lot of people talking about love. John says, let me, let's talk about what, what love is. This is love. It's not that we have loved, but that God has loved us first. So God gives us his own love first. He loves us. And, and so we, we receive his love, and then we actually love each other with God's own love. He's not asking us for something that he hasn't given us. It's impossible for us to do it without God. But with God, all things are possible. And so that new commandment, he says, I give you a new commandment, love one another as I have loved you, so you also should love one another. 
And so that's the only way, with God's love, that's the only way that the golden rule is possible. It even makes sense. Do to others whatever you would have them do to you. Because if they've done us wrong, we still have to do to others what we want them to do to us, (laughs) the good. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's get into that in a moment here, Father. I also want to throw up, uh, throw open the phone lines. If you're listening and you'd like to call in, our phone number here is 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, as we're talking today with Father Ethan Southard about the golden rule. Uh, we hear that in the Gospel reading at Mass today. Treat others as you would have them treat you. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. How have you been able to live that out in your life, even when it was difficult or when that other person, uh, they weren't being nice to you? Uh, Maybe it's something that's been a struggle for you to treat someone in the way you want to be treated because of being hurt by them in the past. How have you been able to live out that ideal, um, even when it is a, a tough road for you to walk down? 888-914-9149. Uh, you can also email us, innerlife at relevantradio.com. Uh, Father, maybe we can talk also a moment here about the golden rule. You know, you, you mentioned the summary that Jesus gives. What's the greatest commandment? To love God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. What's the second greatest commandment? Love your neighbor as yourself. I think most of the time when we talk about the golden rule, we talk about how we treat other people. But how do you think the golden rule can help us to know God better? You know, you, you talked about that passage in First uh, John chapter 4, where it tells us what love is. Um, how do we get to know God better by understanding and living the golden rule better? Hmm. Um, that's a great question, Josh. You know, Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen my father. If you've seen me, you've seen my father. So if, if we're, if we're going to see the heavenly father, if we're going to know the heavenly father who is spirit, who, you know, the old Testament shares that you, you can't see God, Right. But if we're going to see him, if we're going to know him, if we're going to be in relationship with him, how are we going to be in relationship with him unless we are actually in relationship with each other, who we have seen? How can you love the God that you haven't seen if you don't love you know, your neighbor in front of you, who you have seen? So it's imperative. It's, I mean, it's impossible to think that we could actually love God or have a relationship with God unless we are loving each other and having a relationship with each other. You know, there's someone I know who, you know, wants to have, you know, friends and, and community and, and wants to be a big part, you know, of, of things, but but then every time that they're, you know, in a in a friendship or a relationship, it, it blows up and and there's no, you know, there's no real relationship, there's no forgiveness, there's no real communion. And it's, well, how can you be with something bigger if, if you can't be, you know, right here? So if we're missing the here and now, if, if, we're not, if we're not encountering heaven here right now, then we're not going to, how are we going to see and encounter heaven down the road? You know, it, it's here. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is among you. It's in your midst. So how do we respond then? Because if that's who we are, if we are love, if we do have that relationship with God, 
then of course we're going, if we see somebody in pain or we see somebody struggling or we're going to help them, we're going to reach out a hand to them. Of course, if someone is offending us, if someone's hurting us, you know, as Jesus says on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. Not only does he forgive, but he makes an excuse because that's who God is and that's what God does. That's how God is loving. The only way that we can actually start doing that, though, is with God's own love. And so as his spirit starts to come up within us, he gives us the power of the gospel to actually be able to start living heaven on earth. So, but going back to your question, it's imperative, it's essential that if we're going to love God, we must love our neighbor as ourself. We must love our neighbor as God. We must love our neighbor as Christ. And that's the beautiful celebration that we celebrated this past Sunday with Corpus Christi, where, yes, Jesus is fully present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. He's giving us himself. That's you know what beautiful love. He's giving himself. He's pouring himself out even for all the sinners. You know, he's pouring himself out while we were still sinners. He's offered himself. And so as we're doing that, Saint, I love um, St. John uh, Chrysostom. He has this beautiful quote. He calls it the Eucharist of the poor. And so uh, it's, it's just a line or two, so I'm going to read it here. He says, this is St. John Chrysostom. He says, do you wish to honor the body of the Savior do not despise it when it is naked. Do not honor it in church with silk vestments while outside it is naked and numb with cold. He who said, this is my body and made it so by his word is the same that said, you saw me hungry and you gave me no food as you did it not to the least of these, you did it not to me. Honor him then by sharing your property with the poor. For what God needs is not golden chalices, but golden souls. So just to slow that one down, because that was a lot. <laughs> he says, do you wish to honor the body of the Savior? So like you're saying, Josh, you know, how how do what's our relationship with God? What's our relationship with our neighbor? So do you wish to honor the body of the Savior? Do you wish to honor the Eucharist? Do not despise it when it is naked. Do not honor it in church with silk vestments while outside it is naked and numb with cold. So if I think I've shared this one on the program before, but I remember going to, there was an adoration chapel. While I was in the seminary, I was on summer break, and I woke up in the middle of the night, so I went to go to a perpetual adoration chapel. And as I was going to the chapel, it was probably three in the morning, I went to this, this church, this parish, and as, as I was walking to go pray with Jesus in the chapel, in the Blessed Sacrament, I noticed as I was walking through the vestibule to get to the chapel, they had it open and it was lined with the homeless. And there, there were probably 30 men just laying down on the ground in the, in the 
the vestibule, the, the walkway there. So I literally had to walk and step over and try not to wake them up because they were sound asleep. These these homeless people who had nowhere else to sleep. So I had to tiptoe over them to get to the chapel. And I started crying because it, my heart was being pierced. And Jesus, it felt like Jesus was really happy that I was going to pray with him in the chapel. But he was it was almost like he was crying out to me saying, Ethan, if you're going to recognize me here in the Blessed Sacrament, it's really beautiful. Thank you. So I'm so glad that we're here together. He says, but please don't miss me in in the homeless, the ones that are laying right right there. He says, please do not miss me. That uh, that's my body. That's my, the body of Christ is right there. And so I was just really uh, taken taken back. And, you know, yeah. Jesus does want us to spend time with him in the Eucharist, but he's saying, you know, please don't miss me. Keep your eyes open. Yeah, well, I, I mean, what you're essentially saying, at least what I'm taking from what you're saying here, Father, is we need to have the Eucharistic devotion. We 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 can't do anything. We won't have the power of God in our lives without the relationship with Christ, but it can't just simply end there to where... We only spend that time at Mass or that time in adoration. We need then to take out the love of Christ to a world all around us. And uh, if if we just stop halfway, we haven't lived the life that God has called us to live. Again, talking and, with Father Ethan Southard here. Uh, Father, we got to take a break. Hold on to your thought. Let's come right back in just a moment <laughs> here because we're running short on time. But uh, again, want to throw out the phone number here, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, com. As today we're talking about the golden rule that Jesus gives us that we hear at the Gospel reading at Mass, do unto others as you would have them do unto you and how we can live that out in our lives. It's a difficult challenge. It's a difficult obligation. It is an obligation on our part as followers of Christ. So how do we live that out as best as we can? Uh, Maybe you have a question about the golden rule. Maybe you've seen how God has worked in your life so that you have been able to live that out, even when it was difficult, treating somebody in a way you wanted to be treated, maybe even when they weren't being nice, when they weren't being kind, when they weren't being loving to you. 888-914-9149, and we'll be right back after this here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. We receive over a million prayer requests every year, thanks in part to the Catholic Order of Foresters studio line, helping us stay connected to your intentions. Learn how our sponsor can support your family with life insurance at relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and Relevant Radio app, and I'm Josh Raymond along with our spiritual director, Father Ethan Southard, a priest in the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, the pastor of St. John Eudes Church in Chatsworth, California, today talking about the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and trying to take a deep look at that golden rule that Jesus gives us in Scripture. It's, the, uh, it's what we hear in the Gospel reading at Mass today. 
And uh, right before the break, actually, I'll throw out the phone number here one more time, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. If you have a question about the Golden Rule or would like to share your story about how you try and live that out, how even when maybe people aren't being kind or loving to you, you still try and treat others how you would want to be treated, 888-914-9149. Uh, Father, right before the break, uh, you were talking about how we look at we look at others around us, treat others as we want to be treated, and you were really taking that back to the parable of the sheep and the goats. You also had that um, uh, short uh, quote that you had from St. John Chrysostom, and I especially liked at the end, and I forget it, it, exactly how it was worded, something along the lines of God saying, I don't need Jesus saying, I don't need a golden chalice, I need golden souls that mm. he wants us to bring that love out to a world that needs it. And you were, you were bringing that together with uh, Matthew chapter 25, the sheep and the goats. You know, when we do something to someone in need, we're really doing that to God. But on the other side, if we don't help someone in need, we're essentially rejecting Christ. Right. And so what's really moving me and was really hitting me that that uh, moment of prayer when I went to that chapel that night and I went to see Jesus present in the Eucharist and Jesus was just screaming. You know, he was saying, I am present already in the poor. And that's what John Chrysostom was saying um, in that quote. Um, you know, he was saying, um, you know, honor it in church, but don't forget to honor it outside. You know, honor honor the body of the Savior, honor the body of the Christ, the Eucharist. He says, I am there in church. He says, but but I'm also there outside. You honor me. And so if we're, if we're going to honor him, we don't, it's not that we're going to bring Jesus to someone outside. He's already there. And then we're, that's when the, the people were saying in Matthew 25, they're saying, well, when did we see you? He says, I was there in prison. He says, you came and you visited me. I was there. I was the one that was locked up. I was the one that was on the street that was naked. And I was the one that was hungry. I was the one who was uh, hungry and, and thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. I was the stranger. You welcomed me. And so it's already recognizing that Jesus is there. That is the body of Christ. And, and we're already in relationship there. So that's been my big invitation Um just in, in on my journey that Jesus is is longing for me to recognize that he is already present. I don't have to do anything. I don't have to bring God to someone else because he's already there. And so that's kind of been that um maybe a, epiphany for me or and it's and it's a slow burning epiphany, you know, I don't sure. always leave live it or or recognize it especially in those who are are, you know, difficult to to be around or that smell, <laughs> or that are annoying. But yeah. but then Jesus yeah. also says, you know, if you're not doing it, he says, you know, and then we say, well, when did we see you? He says, you missed me. I was there, and you missed me. And we're held accountable to that, too. You, you know, as you're talking about this, it's also making me think, how do we approach the Eucharist in the Church? You know, as you were talking, I'm here, and yes, I'm here in the Eucharist, I'm here in your presence, in the church, but I'm also there in the lives, 
in the souls of those who are in need. I am among you. If we approach the Eucharist, if we genuflect when we go into the church, if we bow before we receive the Eucharist, if we kneel when those words of consecration are spoken by the priest in persona Christi, if we have that great love and great reverence and we want nothing but the best for Jesus in the Eucharist, and Jesus is in that distressing disguise in the person who, like you say, smells or you know might not be the easiest person to be around, are we approaching them with that mm. same sort of respect and love and wanting the best for them, not just merely giving leftovers, but saying, mm. because I recognize Jesus in you, I want to give my absolute best to you. I had a professor in the seminary, um, and he was just a great, just excitable guy, very eccentric, um, and, and he was making a point here, so I'm not recommending that we go to do it, or if you feel like doing it, go for it. But he would come and, and he would he would genuflect uh, in front of the class <laughs> because he wanted to drive the point. He was making a point. He wanted to drive that point home um, because we do. We go into genuflect, you know, and if we do have that respect for Jesus present in the Eucharist, Jesus, God present in in the church and, and actually honoring and, and genuflecting and bowing and being reverent. But he was helping to make that connection and to demonstrate that for us within each other. And are we recognizing that? And you're right. If we're not recognizing, if we don't have that awareness and that presence of, of mind, um, to be mindful of, of God in the church or in the Eucharist, um, you know, are we going to have that? Are we going to be able to share that? Uh, it's it's the shoes off, that shoes off moment when Moses went to the the mountain top, and and you know, God instructs Moses. He says, "Take your shoes off. This is holy ground." And you know, Moses was, you could almost, you know, someone who maybe someone who doesn't go to church and they have no idea. They just absent-mindedly or just you know they just. I'm sure all of us have seen somebody just kind of wander in and they're wandering around and, and you're saying, hey, wait, take your shoes off. This is holy ground. And so as Moses approached the burning bush, he did. He took the shoes off and he says, be mindful. Bring yourself to this this place. And then Pope Francis in Christus Vivit, you know, he's, he's talking about how um, we need to be shoes off with each other, particularly the young people who maybe don't recognize that um, that they are a holy ground. And so maybe our reverence and our interaction with the people who don't recognize who they really are and how the dignity that they have and the beauty that they have within, you know, by us taking our shoes off, by us showing them that dignity and that holiness, no, you are sacred. There's a sacredness about you. There is a presence of, of God within you. And they say, what? No, don't you know what I've done? And we, we say, I, I see who you are. It's not, it's not about what you've done or what you haven't done or what you've said or haven't said. It's about who you are. And I recognize Christ in you. And so as we have that, that disposition of, of, of mind, we have that disposition of heart, we, we recognize that there is a burning bush within you. There is that burning flame of of god that living flame of love within you and they say really and we help them to uncover that 
and they can start to to see that dignity within and you know all of a sudden they start to come alive Christ alive within them and it's but it's not something that we're giving them there's there's just this beautiful humility it's there there's a the it's the uncovering the heart that inner life within their heart that wasn't wasn't known before so i think that's the this great big beautiful invitation with the golden rule that we're we're being we're all being drawn into that we're doing unto others as we would have them do unto us we we want us to treat us we want others to treat us and to see that that dignity that that uh, that presence that living god presence within us and so as we're we're mutually starting to move in that way with god's love um with his with the power of the gospel to actually see Christ in someone else then then we are moving together as as the body of Christ as one uh one heart one spirit father we've talked a lot about love charity being that most obvious virtue that's associated with the golden rule how do we open ourselves up to allow god to help us grow in love, to grow in that that theological virtue of charity. Mm. Well, when and this is going back to the law and the prophets. So, when um, Moses and, and Elijah were on uh, on the mountain, when Jesus went up, he took Peter, James, and John, and and um, on the top of Mount Tabor and. Moses and Elijah appear, and they're speaking of the Passover. They're they're speaking of um, you know the the suffering that's going to come, and the the, the passing over from this world and into the other world, the passing over from sin and into salvation. And they're having that discussion, and you know Peter, James, and John, and, and they they look up and and they see the law and the prophets. And they they want to stay there. They just want to stay in that comfortable place. And and the Heavenly Father, he says, listen to him. Listen to him. And so uh, in that listening, you know, they wanted to, Peter wanted to build three tents, but it's not about the listening. It's not about the, the building of the three tents. It's not about just staying in that, in that place. It's about going back down uh, into, uh, into the valley. It's going back into the world. Um, but it's it's with that encounter with that that power it, so so there's a, a spending a time there's there's a listening uh to the word you know there there's the going to mass there's a there's a um receiving the eucharist receiving christ um and it's there's a there's a a spending of of that that time and stillness and and openness to actually receive that love and so, uh, whether it's the the opening of our heart and recognizing those places that we can't love, and we say, God, with a with a humility, we say, God, I I can't love you uh, the way that I would like to. I can't love my neighbor the way that I would like to, but with with your love, I can. It's like Mary at uh, Bethany; she, she did the one thing necessary, and she spent uh, that time at the the feet of Jesus and just letting Jesus love her just coming into that communion w- with Christ himself 
and then she were then she was able to go and and do other things and work with Martha and make breakfast and clean the dishes and things but spending that time first the one thing necessary uh, that's the only way to actually really have that love Jesus would you know take the time he would go into the desert he would go to a deserted place to spend time with his father and so he's modeling that place he would stay up up late to pray and so actually just having that time of of encounter with with God in love and so then we are we're actually able to share that our spiritual director here on the inner life today father ethan southard a priest in the archdiocese of los angeles talking about the golden rule how we can live that out do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's the words we hear from Jesus in the Gospel reading at Mass today. And how do you live that out in your own life? Or maybe it's a difficult thing to live out, especially maybe if somebody has really hurt you and they are not a kind person to you. How can you treat them in that loving way? How can you still love them with the love of Christ? 888-914-9149 is our phone number here, 888-914-9149, or email innerlife at relevantradio.com. And we'll continue our conversation and take some of your phone calls in just a moment here. You're listening to Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. The Relevant Radio studio line is sponsored by the Catholic Order of Foresters, flexible premium life insurance. For less than $12 a month, a 40-year-old can get a half million dollars of coverage. Go to relevantradio.com slash Forrester, an Illinois life insurance society not available in all states. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Talking about the golden rule here today, trying to look at ways that we can live that out, understand what God is calling us, the obligation we have to love our neighbor as ourself. And our, our spiritual director is Father Ethan Southard. And Father, let's go to the phones. We've got Charles, who's listening to us in Fremont, California. Charles, welcome to The Inner Life. You're on the air with Father Ethan. Thank you. Thank you for taking my call. With respect to the golden rule, I think the converse of the golden rule is also just as important as we find it in the book of Tobit, which tells us, do not do unto others what you would not have them do unto you. So, for example, if I were homeless, uh, I would certainly hope people not pass me by, not step over me, not ignore me, but uh, rather uh, find some positive way to say help me. Well, thanks for uh, calling, Charles. It's it's nice to get a chance to share with you, and I, I think that's beautiful. Yeah, the, the converse is true as well. Uh, do not do unto others what you wouldn't have them do unto you. Um, and really just getting to the the deeper meaning of of relationship um you know we, we were talking about god as as trinity the father the son and the spirit at the the essence at the heart of who god is god is relationality and so it's that openness and so are we are how are we in our our relationality with each other are we are we serving are we giving or are we giving something wicked <laughs> we don't you know don't give something wicked don't deny something essential uh, that's great charles charles thanks so much for the call uh, father i think it's also easy though to take a kind of backwards attitude that becomes wrong when we look at the golden rule. And I've seen this in my children, especially. Um, I'm sure all of us are guilty of it at one point or another. But if my wife and I, if we try and encourage them to be kinder to one of their other siblings, to be patient, to be nice, 
even when that other sibling doesn't deserve it, we'll commonly hear a response from our child along the lines of like, well, why should I be nice to them when they aren't nice for me? Or why, why should I do that good thing for them when they never want to do anything for me? And they kind of turn that golden rule around. Instead of treat others how you want to be treated, they have this attitude of when my brother or my sister start treating me how I want to be treated, then I will treat them better. Then I'll treat them that nice way. And I think that's easy for all of us to fall into that kind of behavior. You know, we hold out, we wait, we want that other person to be nice first. But then while we're waiting for them and we're holding out saying, okay, when they're nice, I'm going to be nice. We, we find ourselves in this kind of stalemate. And then the problem becomes that we're making the golden rule, this kind of reactive behavior rather than a proactive behavior you know we're 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 not supposed to wait until they're finally nice to us regardless of what they're doing we're supposed to treat people as we want to be treated right and and that um the power of the gospel breaks that that cycle of expectation and and so if because of sin we start to live in a in a world of expectation that that becomes our 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 go to mode of being where I've done this and now you owe me this. So there's almost, or, you know, you haven't given me this, so I won't give you that. You know, you haven't shown me love, so I won't show you love. You haven't forgiven me, so I won't forgive you. And that's where Jesus is, is, and and the power of the gospel is, um, you know, calling to to break us through, where Jesus, you know, says, you know, love your enemies. Um, you know, love your enemies. So it, with within that, uh, you know, Matthew in Matthew chapter five, uh, verse forty three to forty eight, he says, "You've heard that it was says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who've harmed you." So it's it's breaking the cycle and the only way we can break the cycle of of that it's it's almost like a a karmic cycle it's like well i'm going to yeah. give this because you've given this and and that's not who we are you know god's love breaks the karmic cycle it breaks that expectation um but it's real like that feeling is real and and we want we're caught in the cycle and that's our expectation that's how we live our lives and Jesus is saying that's that may be true in this world, in this way, this fallen, broken world. He says, but there's actually something new, you know, God's, uh, you know, God's kingdom, and so God's love, God's reign falls down on the wicked and the good, you know, His love reigns down on everybody, and so that's, um, you know, uh, you were you were talking before, um, or we were talking a, l- a little earlier, just about in. Um, Second Timothy, if we have died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. So God doesn't change. God's love endures. God, God's love remains. God's, God's love reigns on the wicked and the good. It just rains down. Yeah. And so... Um, and, but we're called to actually have that life, that love. And the only way for that, us to actually 
have room for that kind of love, that divine love, is if we die with him. And it's a daily dying. <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a way of life with a capital yeah. L. It's a way of divine life. We have to die daily. We take up our cross daily to those things, to those people, those situations that have done us wrong. And so we actually rise with his life, with his, his, new, his new way of being, and then we can start to, to love each other. It's, in, it's, it's not only difficult, it's impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Well, you know, what you're talking about really leads us to, we want justice a lot of times as, we've been, as you've been talking here. That's really what this comes down to. But if, if God treated us as poorly as we treat him, none of us would have any hope, which leads us to the need for mercy. You know, if God has been infinitely merciful towards us and he continues to show us mercy and offer forgiveness, even when we sin again and again, even when we hurt him again and again. And so, uh, Father, we're just down to a couple minutes here, but, you know, taking that knowledge of God's mercy in our own lives, how do we allow it to influence our behavior towards others rather than allowing for that justice, and it could even be a false sense of justice, having that take over. Yeah. Well, St. Paul talks about it in his uh, first letter to the Corinthians, and this is in chapter 12, 26, and even a, a little bit before. And so he's, 26 says, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. If one part is honored, all the parts share its joy. And so, you know, earlier he's saying that God has constructed the body so as to give greater honor to a part that is without it, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the parts may have the same concern for one another. And so we start to recognize that, wow, we actually are all the same part of the same body. It sounds like we might have lost Father Ethan there. Um, Nick, can you double check and see if... Oh, okay. Um... Well, I, for some reason, the connection seems to have been lost there with Father Ethan. I uh, want to say thank you to him for his time here with us today as we looked at the Golden Rule. also want to thank you for joining us. Thanks to Nick Sentovich, to Sarah Tafoya, and to Thomas Angesser for their help in producing the program. If you missed... An earlier portion of the hour, go back and hear the entire broadcast. It'll be available at our website, RelevantRadio.com, or on the Relevant Radio app here coming up shortly. And I hope you can join us tomorrow as we talk about how we can help our kids come back to the faith. If you have an adult child that's left the faith, we'll be talking about that and uh, ways that you can maybe help them especially ways that you can pray for them. And of course, stay tuned. We've got Mass coming up right now here on Relevant Radio. You're going to get brought up to speed on the most important issues of the day, the latest news through a moral lens. I'm going to try to give you a perspective on it that is both moral and especially Catholic because the culture and mainstream media and social media is a poison pill. And too many people are swallowing it. The antidote for that is Jesus Christ. It's a perspective on it based on our faith. The Drew Mariani Show, 2 p.m. Central on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app.